Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Maybe your kingdom is defined by pleasure. And in your kingdom, it's about you being able to drink what you want to drink, to take a particular drug that you want to take, and you don't want to have any challenges with that. It was maybe something sexual in nature. And your, your pleasure, your kingdom is defined by you satisfying your pleasure, but Jesus came into your kingdom and to my kingdom, and he said, deny yourself that. Deny it. Take up your cross and follow me. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. The Christmas story is one of the most well-known stories of the Bible. Even people outside of the Christian faith tend to have a general understanding of the Christmas story. But there are some lesser-known characters in the story that you may not be as familiar with. In this series entitled Grumpy Old Men, we'll be examining several characters from the Christmas story who had to deal with rather unfortunate and challenging circumstances. As we'll see, These circumstances created a bit of grumpiness in their spirit. It is our hope that this series will provide greater insight into one of the most popular stories in the Bible. Please enjoy the message. Now we've been in a series entitled Grumpy Old Men and the the idea in this series is that we've been honing in on a few different characters uh, from the Christmas story that really had to deal with maybe unfortunate and challenging circumstances and situations that created a bit of grumpiness in their spirit. Some of that they created for themselves and then some of it was just created for them and they had to sort that all out. Now one of the common things that's very prevalent at this time of year is Christmas lights. And one of the more popular Christmas lights that uh, homes that we get to see in our particular area here of Highlands Ranch uh, here in Colorado is the gingerbread house. How many of you here have been able to go to the gingerbread house? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it is just, whoosh. I mean, it is for sure national or Christmas vacation, uh, Clark Griswold. I mean, it is bright. That, that electric bill, I have no idea what it is, but I'm glad it's not mine. And so it's a, fun, it's a fun experience there. And then there's other houses that are synchronized up with the music. And, and those, are always, those are always fun to go through and tune your radio station to just the right station. And you get to hear some of the more popular and trendy Christmas music. And, and we, we do that as a family as well. In fact, that is my go-to in December when I, I have to watch the kids. What are we going to do? Oh, let's go look at some Christmas lights. Let's go listen to Christmas music. I mean, just trying to get into the spirit of the occasion. It's always a good fallback, dads, if you want to take advantage of that. But I heard about another Christmas light experience recently that a, a nurse in Minnesota dealt with. And, and it was a bit of an unfortunate one. And she's a COVID nurse, uh, works in the COVID ward of a particular hospital. And she's been dealing with some challenges there, naturally, with, with what we've all been dealing with. And she's been a bit tired, a bit worn out. She's dealt with some of the worst of the worst, some of the darkness in this particular season. And so with that in mind, she decided to string a single strand of lights on her home uh, to shine some light into the darkness, to bring a little bit of joy into this time in which, uh, there, for some, there isn't much joy. And sadly, that message of hers, that hope of hers for doing this, was not well received by some of her neighbors, one in particular who left her a note. And I'll read the note to you. This is what the person said. I couldn't help but notice your Christmas light display. Now, during these unprecedented times, we've all experienced challenges, which casual words just don't describe what we're feeling. The idea of twinkling colorful lights are a reminder of divisions that continue to run through our society. 
a reminder of systematic biases against our neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas or can't afford to put up lights of their own. We must do the work of educating ourselves about the harmful impact of an outward-facing display like yours can have. I challenge you to respect the dignity of all people while striving to learn about from differences, ideas, opinions of our neighbors. We must come together collectively and challenge these institutional inequities, and we must demand better of ourselves. And of course, it was anonymous. Now, if I get a letter like that, I'm buying everybody lights on my street. This, this, this may be true of some aspects of our society, but it is not true of Christmas lights. That, that is not, that's just not, that's not what's going on here. But what is going on here is you have a person, and this is what today's message is about, who is essentially functioning like what I'm going to call a little king. And this is, that street is their kingdom. And somebody has done something that they don't agree with and they don't like, and they are going to tell them how it is that they ought to live and what it is that they ought to do with their property and makes this really, really distant connection between biases and different uh, prejudices in our society and Christmas lights. And here's the thing, is there's a bit of, each and every one of us that has what I'm going to call a little king syndrome in us. There's a, there's a part of each of us that just, we want to we run things. We want to rule things. And the reality is in this story and in, in the story that we're going to look at in the Bible and even in the story of our lives is that there is only one king of kings and there is only one lord of lords and it's not us. And the sooner we begin to embrace that and accept that, the sooner our lives completely and wholly can become in line with God's will. What I've found when it comes to the little king syndrome is this, is little kings always want to have the final say. Little kings always want control. Little kings are angered and threatened by others' plans. Little kings' agendas are always the priority. Little kings will compromise their integrity for their agenda. And we're going to see that especially true in the little king that we're going to look at today, known as King Herod. And King Herod indeed was a grumpy man. And he was a man who was incredibly, unbelievably threatened by anyone, especially Jesus, who would come into his kingdom. Because in his kingdom, there was only one room for one king and not for two. And the moment he heard that there might be a second king, he immediately went to work because that's what little kings do when it comes to their little bitty kingdoms. So we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin reading there. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? And this would have immediately perked King Herod's ears. This would have immediately gotten his attention. What do you mean, King of the Jews? Jews, because I am the only king of the Jews. And no one was going to begin to impose in on King Herod's kingdom. And the idea that somebody else might be considered this, especially someone that would draw people from other lands, was something that King Herod was going to deal with. They went on to say, We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Now again, coming back to this idea of these, these little kings, 
We, we've, felt, we've dealt with this. We've experienced this. It, it's, the, it's the type of person where you walk into their business. You walk into some sort of place where they have authority and structure. And that is very appropriate. And they want you to know who is in control, who is in power, and who isn't. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. For example, just a few months ago, I was had an MRI. Sir, I had to have an MRI done, and when I went into this person's uh, particular office, it was unbelievable. The the just the way this guy tried to make me feel. He rattled off twenty different instructions to me, and then I asked him a question about it, and he got smart with me. And then he said, "I just told you the answer to that." And then he proceeded to remind me a dozen different times that I could not move in that tube. I completely understand. I can't move in your tube, but you don't have to talk to me like this. I mean, if I didn't have to have that done, I would have just left. But when I walked out of there, you could just feel it. Like his staff was scared of him. I looked at this guy and I thought, are you serious? You look like Newman from Seinfeld. Why are you talking to me like this? <laughs> I, which I understand. I get it. You're the boss. You know what's going on, but you don't have to treat people like dirt. That's the little king. That's whenever you, that's, that's the little king in people where they got this kingdom and Herod has come in contact with people who are looking for another king besides him. And let me tell you something, when he is disturbed, everyone is disturbed. When, when Kim Jong-un in, in North Korea is disturbed, that whole country is disturbed. They're all scared. In Jerusalem, when King Herod was disturbed, everyone was disturbed. And here's the lesson for each and every one of us who deal with that little king syndrome in our lives is little kings are always disturbed by Jesus. Now, I'll give you a little context of King Herod. He was a man who was very ambitious. He wanted to leave an incredible footprint on Jerusalem. He was a man who uh, built. He was also a man who was somewhat generous. He helped people at different occasions. But the moment someone threatened him, the moment there was a tense of which his authority was going to be challenged, he immediately became paranoid. Caesar Augustus said this of King Herod, it was better to be his swine than to be his son. Because he was Jewish, he wasn't going to kill a pig. He wouldn't eat the pork, but his son could be a potential threat to his kingdom. So it was better to be the swine than to be his son. William Barclay, a biblical historian, said it this way. Herod was almost insanely suspicious. Was all, almost insanely suspicious. He was so paranoid and so protective of his position that after he took the throne, he put to death the entire Jewish Sanhedrin. Seventy of the most influential religious leaders in Jerusalem. Because anybody who was influential could challenge his influence. 
During the course of his bloody reign, he killed two of his oldest sons, one of his wives, and all of her close relatives. He, had, he was a man who was very disturbed. And he was incredibly disturbed when Jesus showed up too because little kings get disturbed by Jesus because he is again the king of kings. Now what does that look like for us? Well, well for us, maybe your kingdom is defined by pleasure. And in your kingdom, it's about you being able to drink what you want to drink, to take a particular drug that you want to take, and you don't want to have any challenges with that. It was maybe something sexual in nature. And your, your pleasure, your kingdom is defined by you satisfying your pleasure, but Jesus came into your kingdom and to my kingdom, and he said, deny yourself that. Deny it. Take up your cross and follow me. Maybe for you, your kingdom is defined by accumulation of wealth and there's nothing wrong with gaining money and accumulating money. But again, maybe your focus is just continuing to build a treasure here on earth and Jesus enters into that kingdom and he disturbs it. And he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure here on earth, lay it up in heaven. And maybe for you, it's just that you're overly ambitious. And, and your idea, is, your, your, your goal is to attain titles and to continually climb some ladder. I get it. I, I, I deal with that. Maybe, maybe something that you struggle with is wanting to just continually accomplish something new, to start something new. And then Jesus comes into that and he says, there's nothing wrong with the titles. There's nothing wrong with wanting more. But just remember, it's not about you because the greatest among you won't be those with the title or with greater accolades. It's instead those who will be servant of all. Jesus goes to those that are arrogant, those that are cocky, those with the big egos, and, he's, and he says, unless you humble yourself and become like a little child, you can't enter this kingdom of heaven. And maybe it's even for the relativists who look at all of the world's truth and they say it's all the same. In my kingdom, everybody gets in. But Jesus enters into that idea, that notion, and he disturbs it. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here's the, here's the question I got for you. Is will you ignore Jesus' disruption or explore Jesus' disruption? And that is something that Herod had to ignore. Because to embrace it, to accept it, would be to compromise the standing that he had in his little bitty kingdom. So will you ignore the disruption that Jesus is bringing into your, into your kingdom right now with some of those scriptures I just read? Or will you explore it? The text goes on. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, because he was super confused about this idea that another kingdom king would come into his kingdom, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time and the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. King Herod had one agenda, and his agenda was that his kingdom would reign, and that he would reign in that kingdom, and he would have absolute control and absolute power. He had no intention of going and worshiping Jesus, but he needed information about Jesus in order to secure, to advance his agenda. Here's the point with little kings. 
is little kings will use Jesus to serve their purposes. And, and this plays out in a variety of different ways, but what, it, what happens for us is we got to ask this question is, are you serving Jesus or is Jesus serving you? Does Jesus serve you or do you serve Jesus? And again, this plays out in a variety of different ways. Jesus serves you when? Let me, let me spell it out for you. When you use him to make business contacts. When you use him to find a date. When, when I was a part of a college ministry many, many years ago, it was always interesting whenever the newer people would come in because you just wondered, I always wondered, I'm like, okay, is this a real Christian or are they just trying to find a girlfriend? Right, what's going on here? Or, or maybe, are they, maybe they have a faith in Jesus, but they're definitely the little king of their life. And you would just, I would just see a play out. Oh, yeah, I'm worshiping. I love Jesus. And then they would just try to get somebody to date, try to connect with somebody. If it didn't happen, then they would just drift away. You, or they would find somebody, and then later on, a few months later, you would hear this, about this dysfunctional relationship that created all these problems. And you realize they were just putting on a front about Jesus to get a date. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Jesus serves you when you use him to parade your talents. And that, that's something that we have to sort out in, in churches, that sometimes people want to speak, they want to sing, they want to play an instrument, they want to be up on the stage, they want to be in the lights, they want to be on the internet, but it's really more about them. And, there's, and you, we figure it out, you, you sort it out pretty quickly, um, but that's a thing. Jesus serves you when you use him to elevate your, your stature. Um, and I've, I've seen this in, in churches where people will be at a church and, and they won't have a lot of influence or power. And then they'll go to another church where they can gain that power and that influence through different means. And it's, it's just a thing of theirs that they want to use Jesus to get, get up. Or maybe you, if you put on a front of being a Christian or being very vocal in your faith, maybe that is something that a boss of yours might like and they might promote you. They might give you that raise. They might give you a little bit more responsibility. They might give you that special project because they know about your faith, but is it really your faith? That's when we gotta step back and say, is Jesus serving you or are you serving Jesus? Does Jesus, you, Jesus serves you when you use him to sell a product? Um, some time ago, I was, at a, I, I was leading a church, and I had a gentleman. He, he attended our church. He'd probably been there two Sundays. And he came to me, and he said, I wrote these books. 
And he, and he said, I'd like you to have them. Check them out, and maybe your children's ministry could use them. Well, in a, in a situation like that, well, sure, sure, let me see them. And, and uh, we, we felt very good about our children's ministry curriculum, but he gave me these two books of his. And, and, and honestly, they, it was a nice idea, but it wasn't very well done. It was a nice idea, though. So I took his books, I flipped through them a little bit. It wasn't something that we were going to use. So I didn't think anything was going to come of that. I felt like he was just giving us a sample product, you know, so then two weeks later, he comes to me and he says, hey, um, so are you going to pay me for those books? I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, if they're good at teeth. Okay, well, how much are the books? Um, he said, well, like $25. All right, fine. We'll give you 25 bucks. $25. Here's your 25 bucks. I'll keep your books. Maybe down the road, we can do something with them. Well, and then a week later, he comes back to me and he says, and I, so we arranged, made an arrangement, paid him his $25. He comes back to me and says, so what do you think? You guys going to use that for your children's ministry? The, our, my curriculum, you want to buy some more books? And I just said, you know, politely, I said, no, I, I appreciate you making that offer to us. I'm very sorry. We really have a curriculum that we're happy with, we're content with. Um, we're just going to keep moving forward with that. But, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for the offer. And I could tell immediately that he took that personal. I could tell immediately he was not happy with that answer. And my guess is he had received that answer quite a few times in the past. And so it wasn't too surprising when that was the last time I saw that guy. Because the only reason he was there was to sell a product. The only reason he was around was because Jesus was serving him. He wasn't serving Jesus. King Herod had one agenda with his kingdom, and that was to continue to reign in his kingdom. He wanted to keep the power of his kingdom. He wanted to expand it and make more of a name for himself. And so whenever he, he says to these magi, these wise men, I'm going to worship him, he is using that type of affront to further his agenda. Now, here's what happens, though. The wise men eventually find Jesus. They worship Jesus. They give him these really strange and odd gifts that, you know, only men could give a baby, frankincense and myrrh. What are you going to do with frankincense and myrrh? I don't know. Women, you, I know, I got you. You're showing up with casserole and baby uh, diapers and changing wipes. And all. I mean, you know, what the, you know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. We're showing up with myrrh. What the heck are you going to do with myrrh? So they show up with myrrh. And, and, and then after that, I guess that was their, their offering was pleasing to the Lord because then he, he revealed to them in a dream that they needed to go a different way. And then Herod finds out about this. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And so that's why we think that Jesus, he had probably been in Bethlehem a year, probably not up to two years, but somewhere around a year, and, and, and Herod tacks on two just to be safe. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And this is a sad one, because there's kids in the street playing, there's kids in their home sleeping, and soldiers show up, and they're casting spears at those kids. They're breaking down the door, and they're taking the lives of those sons, so that a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are, they're no more. And here's the thing about Herod. He didn't have to go here. He didn't have to go there. But when you're a little king, catch this, you want revenge when you're slighted. 
you're always going to go a little bit further than you need to go. I had a friend of mine in high school who always did this. And, and you know how it is whenever you're a teenager. Somebody goes to the bathroom. Like, you should never order a drink and go to the bathroom whenever you're with friends. Like, it's just not going to work out well for you. So, he, you know, inevitably you end up with, like, ketchup in your Coke or you got salt in, in your drink, something like that. So you met, we would do that stuff. And we did. I remember doing that to him one time. Well, you know, you should laugh it off. Maybe you get back with us later on down the road. Well, this, this joker, we do that to him. He grabs his knife and fork and he starts jabbing us under the table. And he like legitimately hurts, like almost cuts somebody. And we're just like, what's wrong with you? And it's kind of funny, you know, when you're 16. But if you don't ever learn to reconcile and you always focus on retaliation, Guess what, when you're 26, 27, 28, nobody's gonna wanna be your friend. And that's the truth, by the time we were 30, none of us wanted to be his friend. When you feel slighted, little kings, the question is, do you wanna retaliate or to reconcile? Now, I wanna say this about reconciliation as a caveat, because I've dealt with this recently, and even as a church, and even beyond this church, is in scripture, reconciliation looks a bit differently. When somebody slights you, there ought to be a conversation to try to sort that out as best you possibly can. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.